TII Item 310, June 2nd, 2014, WWDC 2014, iOS 8. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. To start your free seven-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Adam for sending in the music you hear in the background. Adam wrote, Hi, Rob. I made this track with GarageBand and Beatmaker 2. You can find more of my music at soundcloud.com slash A-W-E-S-T beats. Regards, Adam West. Thanks, Adam, for the music. And folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. Also want to thank Zach for sending in the artwork for today's show. Zach had the following to say. Hi, Rob. I made this on my iPhone 5C. I used a picture of the Portland waterfront and added the text using the app Instasize regards Zach. Well, Zach, thanks again for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Zach's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 310, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash today iOS. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, seems like the iPad might be awkward to hold no matter how you position it. It would be too heavy to hold in one hand. You can't operate it if you hold it in two hands. It would be impractical to use for long periods in your lap. Unquote. Mitch Wagner, Computer World. 10th of March, 2010. I just look at all the time that everyone I know uses their iPads, be it my kids, my wife, my nieces, my nephews, cousins, siblings, parents, friends, and yep, Mitch was not even close to the mark. The iPad truly was the first computer for the masses. For promo codes on episode 309, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app Spaceheads, be giving out those later this week. You can find more info on that app at the beginning of episode 309. This week, we have promo codes for a couple of apps. The first app we have promo codes for is the app Eggs Boom. Two words. Here is the description of the app from iTunes. Quote, an active fun game where you can run a mouse restaurant and make money by flicking as many eggs as possible into the cook's mouse's pot. You'll have to hurry, otherwise your eggs will get snatched up by the fox or turn into chicks and run away. This awesome game is full of surprises, unquote. Thanks to the dev for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put eggs boom in the subject line. The second app we have promo codes for is the app Smart vs. Phone. Here is the review from the dev. 
This is Henry, and I'm the developer of Smart vs. Phone, a colorful matching strategy puzzler developed exclusively for iOS. The goal is to strategically arrange seven numbers to fall into place on a playing board so that they match a randomly generated pattern above. Using well-placed taps on the screen and keypad combinations either removes or adds numbers. Each level is unique and progressively becomes more challenging when rotating morph nodes appear and try to destroy all of your hard work. Blasting them off of the screen is easy, only if you're fast enough to dial their number. Unlimited levels of gameplay are available and may be completed within any time period desired. So if you're the kind that hates watching a countdown timer while playing games, no worries. However, if you're up to the challenge, everything accomplished under five minutes for any level qualifies to be submitted to the Game Center. Smart vs. Phone is a universal app and will be available for download starting June 7th. Thanks to Henry for his review of his app, Smart vs. Phone, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put smart in the subject line. As always, just send in one email for one specific app, send in multiple emails, or ask for multiple apps in a single email, well then, no soup for you. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or author. And please, please, please let me know when those promo codes expire. Brady residents, uh, can I please speak to Bobby? Today's episode is one of those I'm recording in two parts. First part is all pre-WWDC, and it is being recorded Sunday night. Then there will be the second part of the show, which will be all about WWDC and recorded as soon as WWDC keynote ends, so I can get out the episode as quick as possible. First part is the non-WWDC news and listener feedback. Then later in the episode, we will get into WWDC news. To me... There are two really big announcements each year. The first is the one where Apple intros the latest gen iPhone, or now iPhones. And the second, which to me is actually the biggest announcement, is WWDC Keynote. That's when Apple intros the next gen version of iOS. And that to me is more important because it will impact well over 90% of you listening, whereas the new iPhone each year will impact at best 50% listening. So I'm excited for WWDC event and what it means this year. But first, let's get into the non-WWDC news and listener feedback. To start, a quick follow-up to last week's lead story about iOS devices being held for ransom down in Australia. Apple has commented on this. Actually, it's right after the last episode went up. And it does appear that the users were the victims of a phishing attack. Apple said the following, quote, Apple takes security very seriously and iCloud was not compromised during this incident. Impacted users should change their Apple ID password as soon as possible and avoid using the same username and passwords for multiple services. Any user who needs additional help can contact AppleCare or visit their local Apple retail store, unquote. So again, iCloud was not compromised, hacked, just certain users logged into a service they thought was iTunes and entered their user and password 
willingly. What is funny, sad, is recently a listener, Bob B., wrote in warning about an email phishing scam. That email was read back on episode 307. In that episode, we read the following. Hi, Rob. You might want to alert your listeners to this. You might get an email asking you to update your iTunes account. Don't do it. It's a scam. Look at the sender's name. It's I-T-N-U-E-S, not I-T-U-N-E-S. Regards, Bob B., Hamilton, Ontario. So probably this is the same attack that was used to get those passwords from those that had their phones held for ransom. My advice to say safe is both activate two-step verification and also listen to the show and listen to the warnings coming from fellow listeners of the show. Thanks, Bob B., for that heads up again. Maybe some of you out there listened, and because of that, Bob saved you a major headache. A few episodes back, we talked about Apple buying Beats, and, well, at the time, we talked as if it was basically a done deal. And, well, now it is officially a done deal. Really no shocker here. I mean, Dr. Dre was in a Facebook video calling himself the first hip-hop billionaire. The shocker would have been if it was not true. But it is true. And with the acquisition, both Dr. Dre and Jimmy Levine will be joining Apple. The actual sales price was not the reported $3.2 billion that was originally mentioned, but just, and just in quotes and italicized, just $3 billion. It is possible that Facebook video was a $200 million mistake by Dr. Dre. We'll probably never know. Tim Cook had the following to say, quote, Music is such an important part of all our lives and holds a special place within our hearts at Apple. That's why we have kept investing in music and are bringing together these extraordinary teams so we can continue to create the most innovative music products and services in the world, unquote. So there it is. Put a bow on it, it is a done deal. That will finalize in Apple's fiscal fourth quarter, which is calendar third quarter for the rest of us. Congrats, Dr. Dre and Jimmy Levine. It will be interesting to see how this plays out and what, if anything, Tim Cook says about this at WWDC Keynote. Maybe we'll mention this again later in the episode. For those of you in school or teaching or that have access to someone that is and can get that sweet educational discount from Apple, good news. Apple has now included the entire iPad lineup and the education discounts it offers. The iPad mini Wi-Fi non-retina is now just $279. iPad mini Wi-Fi with retina is $379. iPad Air is $469 at the low end. Essentially, for the iPad lineup, it is a $20 discount for everything except the iPad Air lineup, which is a $30 discount. It is not a lot, but it is better than nothing. So next time you think of buying an iPad, ask yourself, who do you know that is in school that I can use for this discount? Interesting, Apple introed uh, this discount less than a week before WWDC. Wonder if they plan some educational announcements at WWDC? We'll find out later in the show, possibly. Hi, Rob. My name is Henry, and I hope that all's going well as you get ready for WWDC. My app is Smart versus Phone. It will go live in about a week. I've been working like crazy for the past six months on this, and I'm happy with the results. My initial goal was to have it all wrapped up well ahead of WWDC. Oh, well. Lynda.com tutorials got me through the core data stuff. That was a lifesaver. 
Thank you so much for giving us little guys a big voice. I listen every week and support the show. Take care, Henry. Henry, thanks for the feedback and very glad to hear the tutorials at lynda.com helped you out. And yes, of course, that is the same Henry, who is a developer of the app that we featured in the promo giveaway segment earlier. And I also want to say thanks again to Linda for sponsoring this episode. If you go to lynda.com slash TII, you will get a free seven-day trial to their service. They offer over 2,000 high-quality video courses taught by industry experts. These courses cover subjects including business skills like SEO, viral marketing, content marketing, and negotiating. There are software video courses covering MS Office, Adobe Creative Suite, and Final Cut Pro. And of course, there are iOS app development courses. There are over 25 iOS courses available at Lynda, 30 the last time I checked. If you want to learn how to program or, in Henry's case, beef up your knowledge in one area of programming, Lynda has its tutorials for you. Again, this is an all-you-can-eat monthly service. Watch anytime and as often as you like from your computer or iOS device. There are searchable transcripts right along with closed caption transcripts. And you don't need to take my word for the breadth and quality of their tutorials. You can check them out right now for yourself for free for seven days by going to lynda.com slash TII. That's lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this episode. Hey, Rob, this is Jonathan of formthepcast.com. I want to bring up an issue with regard to two-step authentication and find my iPhone. I've used the Find My iPhone feature in the past, and it was great and convenient to log in using my password. Now, my understanding is that if I lose my iPhone and I want to use Find My iPhone, and I've established two-step authentication, my password alone will not be adequate to log in. I will also need to use a 14-digit passcode, and that to me is uh, that's a passcode I'll probably not remember. If you have any suggestions, let me know. Thanks. Hi, Jonathan. It is actually a four-digit passcode from Apple. When you set up two-step verification, you register one or more trusted devices. A trusted device is a device you control that can receive four-digit verification codes using either SMS or Find My iPhone. Then anytime you sign in to manage your Apple ID at My Apple ID or make an iTunes App Store or iBooks store purchase from a new device, You'll need to verify your identity by entering both your password and a four-digit verification code, as shown below, and that's in their FAQ section. Again, it's a four-digit code, not a 14-digit code, so I think that's something that yeah, that's much more manageable. Yes, a 14-digit code would be completely unmanageable. Into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I can't stand how the I, the info button, on Apple's podcast app in the new version Links to the web. I can't scroll down to see what all your show is going to be about without hitting links that open to web pages. Is this you or the Apple Podcast app doing this? Great show as an info as always. Regards, Valerie. Hi, Valerie. Well, I guess it's a combo of the two. But I look at it as a feature of the new podcast app where it now hot links to the links that are in your show notes automatically. And that's also your description from your RSS feed which is a nice addition. It also hot links to the call-in number, which you will see now in the show notes too for this show. My only suggestion is to be careful what you tap on, but I do really like this new feature in the podcast app. 
And to fellow podcasters, make sure you put your call-in number at the top of your episode description going forward, which is something I just went over in greater detail in episode 22 of Lipson's The Feed Podcast. That's the one I co-host with Elsie. All podcasters should be listening to that show. We give out really good tips for podcasters on optimizing for iTunes and Stitcher and other places. It's not just about Lipson. Actually, most of it is about podcasting in general, not Libsyn in specific. Search for Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, in iTunes if you are a podcaster or thinking of becoming a podcaster. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I heard in the last show that you can now use Siri to rewind and fast-forward podcasts that you're listening to by a certain amount of time. There doesn't appear to be a way to do the same with music in the music app, but it does work with audiobooks. However... You can use Siri to make a song go back to the beginning by simply saying, restart song. Regards, Steve in Brisbane, Australia. Thanks, Steve, for that tip. Per the last episode and my inquiries about apps to make an animated GIF out of burst mode photos via the Google Plus community and a post from Amico, she wrote, quote, I found an app to make animated GIF from iPhone burst photos before opening the app, you have to mark pictures in the burst shot by tapping choose favorites. The app is GIF Boom, one word. I think the $1.99 version is just the editing app without the hassle of SNS portion of the free app, unquote. And from the responses to that post, Javier recommended the app Echo Graph by Vimeo. And Kai recommended the jailbreak app Giphy. G-I-F-F-Y, and you got to get that one through the Cydia App Store. Thanks all for those recommendations. Hi, Rob. On the last episode of TII, you mentioned wanting an app that can make a GIF out of burst mode photos. I have the Snappy Cam app that does this and much, much more. It's amazing, but no longer on the App Store as Apple bought up this app and yanked it from the store. Not very useful tip, but I thought I would let you know. Regards, Ben K. Hmm, I wonder if any of those features winds up in iOS 8. We'll see later in the show. Maybe. Will you do me a favor the next time you ask me to volunteer for something? <laughs> you mobilize my big mouth before I can answer. We are now well over 800 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. One post in the G Plus community this past week came from Ryan Boyle, and he found what was the best Photoshop picture of the week at least in my opinion. To give some background, photos from inside the Moscone Center, where WWDC is being held, were leaked over the weekend, and one was a banner with water in the background and a big eight centered up on the banner, obviously in reference to iOS 8. Well, that banner was photoshopped and the eight was removed, and in its place were the words, Soul, start your photocopiers. Classic. Again, fake, but it could just as well been real. As you know, that is what Sammy will be doing, and what Apple knows they'll be doing, and Apple's commented as such in the past. Thanks, Ryan, for that find. It made me laugh. Well, still making me laugh. This past week, there were also dozens and dozens and dozens of other new posts in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android Boys free zone and a spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com community to join in. 
and thanks to all 800 plus of you already in the community and contributing. The iPhone 6, well the name that is, is pretty much what everyone is expecting Apple to call the next gen iPhone. So much so that Apple almost has to since calling it anything else would be so darn confusing at this point. Remember however, the next gen iPhone will be the eighth generation of the iPhone and the ninth version of the iPhone. The 5S was the seventh gen iPhone and the 5C was really the sixth gen device that was the eighth version of the iPhone. So yeah, to cut down on confusion and because everyday people are already calling it the iPhone 6, Apple kind of needs to call it that, but they also likely need to have multiple versions, four inch and 4.7 inch versions or what I think as a minimum they need. Okay, that all said, there have been basically no pictures of a 4-inch iPhone 6, and most leaked pics to date of the iPhone 6 show it as basically a 4.7-inch device. And yes, more and more pics are leaking every day. Another one was leaked on the Australian blog, Mac Fix It. One thing that seems to be consistent in the photos leaked so far not one of them shows a two-tone LED flash like the one that's in the iPhone 5S. So it likely means Apple has figured out how to do that with a single LED rather than to have two. I just cannot believe Apple would remove a feature, especially one that's been well-received and reviewed as the two-tone flash has been. Of course, it could just mean that all the photos to date are fakes. Another rumor is that Apple will release the 4.7 version in August and the 5.5 version, 5.5 inch version that is, a month later. I'm not buying that August launch rumor, but I could buy the launch of the 5.5 inch version a month later with the 4.7 and 4 inch versions coming in September and the 5.5 inch version coming in October. We shall see when we see. Thanks to Dr. John for this next one, which is a report from Chitika that heading into WWDC, almost 90% of iPhone users were running iOS 7 or greater, 89.7% to be precise. This based on millions of mobile impressions from iOS devices from the US and Canada between May 22nd and the 28th. iPad users were running at 84.8% uh, that were running iOS 7 or greater. This almost ubiquitous adoption of the latest version of iOS by 90% of iPhone owners is just slightly, just slightly higher than the 8.5% adoption of KitKat by Android owners. Yeah, fun times developing for Android. Just saying. Come back soon, visiting ours from 7 to 9. Hi, Rob. Have you heard about Samsung's new smartwatch infrastructure? It's called SAMI, as in Sam and then the letter I. Now I will get confused when you nickname the entire Samsung company Sammy. Regards, Usama. I just found it funny that Sammy called it Sammy, S-A-M-I. First there was the iPhone 4S, then came the Galaxy S4. First there was the iPhone 5S, then came the Galaxy S5. First there was the iXXXXX from Apple, and now comes the XXXXXI from Sammy. They just can't help themselves in Seoul, can they? Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. Let me just say I have been a TIA listener for a long time and haven't missed a single show. 
I was writing to see if I could get a shout out for my podcast. I am doing a gaming podcast that is geared towards the iPad gaming only. I play games on my iPad more than I do regular consoles. So with that, I believe that people need a podcast that gives the iPad the respect of being just as good, if not better, than some gaming consoles. My podcast is called BSMG Cast. Stands for Big Screen Mobile Gaming Podcast. BSMG Cast. Thank you for your time and great work. Regards, Chris W. Well, Chris, there's your shout out, folks. If you're looking for a gaming podcast geared towards iPad gaming, check out BSMG Cast, one word, in iTunes. And hopefully I'll put the link to that in the show notes. But probably just depends on if he hosts at Libsyn or not. Just kidding. A little Kickstarter project update. For those of you like me that funded the SOS charger, good news. Looks like the devices are literally getting ready to get on a slow boat from China. Let's just hope they are not put in a cargo container that falls overboard on the transit to the U.S. Oh, wait. Knock on wood on that one. This is one I have waited for a long time for. And it's nice to think that we might finally be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for this project. And speaking of Kickstarter, thanks to Michael for the heads up on this next one, which is the Kickstarter project I find, which, yes, is yet another locating tag on Kickstarter. But this one, and this is a big but, <laughs> this is, quote, powered by our patent-pending technology, I find is the world's first Bluetooth item locator that requires no battery, unquote. You heard that right. They are claiming their location tag requires no batteries, as in zip, nada, nothing, no batteries for you. Put your tag on your purse or in your wallet and forget about it. Well, until you need to find it, that is. They had a goal of $25,000 and they have reached over 10 times that amount and have until June 30th, 2014 at 9.14 a.m. Central Time to finish up funding. Pricing on this is $16, well, at least for the next 400 and so backers, that is. Then it goes to $18, and that's for one tag. $30 gets you two, $70 gets you five, or pledge $120 and get 10 They are about the size of a quarter, so you can pretty much put them anywhere you want. Again, around your dog's collar is uh, probably an ideal spot for these, the way they show it. Per how it works, they claim it recycles electromagnetic energy and stores it in a unique power bank. It has a 200-foot, 60-meter detection range and a loud alarm, or so they say. will be interesting to see if this one works as advertised. To be honest, the fact that the tags previously did require batteries is a big reason. I'm not a big fan of tags, but this one has me rather interested. I'm almost willing to plunk down $30 to get two just to see if this is as good as advertised. Search for iFind at kickstarter.com or in the show notes for episode 310 over at todayinios.com. This next one comes from a longtime friend and former editor for one of the publications I used to write for, Shelley Brisbane. Hi Rob, hope you're doing well. Just wanted to let you know that my new book, iOS Access for All, was released yesterday. The book covers all aspects of accessibility for iOS. I've published it as an EPUB and I'm selling it through my website. You can view the table of contents there as well as a sample chapter. Regards, Shelley. Well, Shelley is herself 
sight impaired, and a longtime tech writer and Apple geek. Really, I could not think of anyone better than Shelly to write a book like this. Search for iOS Access for All by Shelly Brisbane in the show notes for episode 310 over at todayinios.com. Note, this is not in iTunes as an ebook yet. You do need to go to Shelly's site for this, so look for that link in the show notes or just go to iosaccessbook.com. When you get to my head, leave a little peek hole so I can find my way back to the pyramid. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I just returned from a week-long trip to Moab, Utah, visiting Canyonlands and the Arches National Park with friends. We all took our own picks and now would like to share with each other. Most of us are iOS-based, but a couple have other devices. Is there a way we can all both upload and download to one place? Simple is good, as at least one person is very technology-challenged. Thank you in advance. Regards, Kathy. Well, Kathy, one thing would be Flickr. I would imagine everyone could go and use Flickr. But I'm going to throw this one out to the audience. If anyone has any other suggestions other than Flickr for Kathy, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. Whoever decided to say mobile browsers would not have extensions because they're underpowered really didn't know what they were talking about. To prove this, I present to the TI audience fully functional mobile bookmarklets designed to enhance the already great browsing experience on iOS devices. The bookmarklet, I believe, will help most people is called Night Mode. This bookmarklet allows users to change the color scheme of the web pages into something that is gentle on the eyes during nighttime reading. This, unlike inverse colors, darkens the entire page and dims the images for seamless and comfortable reading at night. And there's a link to night mode in the show notes and a link to other booklets. Sincerely, Cody K. Well, thanks, Cody, for the heads up on your web apps. Folks, if you would like to check out these, do so via the mobile Safari on your iOS device. Look for the links in the show notes, one for night mode, and then the other with links to multiple other web apps slash bookmarklets from Cody. Hi, Rob. I have a jailbroken iPad running iOS 7.0. However, I would like to download an app that requires iOS 7.1. Are there any tweaks, workarounds to allow me to do this? I tried searching on the internet, but nothing seemed to work. Regards, Max C. Hi, Max. Yep, I'm throwing this one out to the audience. If anyone out there has any suggestions for Max, give us a call. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Please help Max out. Hi, Rob. Just got back from a trip where I used iBeacons to track my luggage. The app I used is Travel Radar by AWW Apps. The app allows you to enter the iBeacon information, UUID, major, minor. Then after attaching the beacon to your luggage, it will give you approximate distance. So no more guessing on the luggage carousel. If, the, if enabled, you can have the app send notifications to your lock screen on how far your luggage is. You can use the app to locate up to two beacons. The physical beacon I used was the Red Beacon tag by Radius Network. 
It required a little bit of a setup via the Red Beacon config app, but once set up, it was ready to go. The tag has a replaceable coin cell battery that lasts from one month to nine and a half months, depending on what transmission rate you set up. For pricing in US dollars, the Travel Radar app is $1.99 in the App Store. The Rad Beacon tag itself is $39 with free shipping. Unfortunately, Radius Networks is only selling them within the US at this point. The Rad Beacon config app is free on the App Store. A final note, the night before my trip, I ran into an issue where either of the two apps could find the beacon but could not find a distance. I contacted Red Beacon and they got back to me with the following. Hi Mark, sounds like you may be experiencing the effect of a bug in iOS core locations API that prevents ranging from working correctly. Try resetting your phone by holding down the wake sleep button and the home button until the phone powers off. Once it restarts, the problem should go away. Known bug, Apple says they are working on it. Regards, David. I followed the instructions, but also had to toggle Bluetooth off, then back on again to get it to work. So just an FYI to your listeners who want to try this. Love the show. Keep up the great work and bring on WWDC. Regards, Mark. Okay, time to finally get to WWDC 2014 keynote and what was announced. Here is the play-by-play. The keynote started out at 12 o'clock p.m. Central Time, which makes it easy to play along at home. At 12 o'clock p.m. Central Time, it started out with a long ad-slash-propaganda film about apps and the importance of apps and app developers. Tim Cook then came out on stage and talked about it being the 25th anniversary of WWDC, Two-thirds are first-time attendees this year. Lucky bunch. Youngest dev is 13 years old. And there was 9 million registered developers. So out of 9 million registered developers, 5,000 plus were actually in attendance at WWDC. Again, this was a lottery this year. Up from 47% from last year. That is uh, the uh, 9 million registered developers. There's now 47% more this time than there was last year. First up was OS X and the Mac. That section ran from 12.10 p.m. to 12.45 p.m. As normal, I will not go over all or even most of what they said with OS X, except per the parts that relate to iOS and iOS devices. FYI, OS 10.10 will be called Yosemite, or Yosemite. Okay, Yosemite. It is going from Yosemite, um, from Mavericks, or it's going from Mavericks to Yosemite, however you want to say it iCloud Drive is one item that will work with iOS devices. Podcasters will be interested in MailDrop, which lets you send huge files via iCloud, up to 5 gig in size. Think of it like you send it or we transfer built into Yosemite, which, again, for podcasters, co-hosting, it's a nice little feature, especially if you're doing double-enders. Apple talked about continuity, which means more continuity between iOS devices and Macs. First up, AirDrop now works between iOS and Mac. Yay! Well, it will if your Mac happens to be running Yosemite. With continuity, your devices are aware of each other's proximity-wise. 
if you are working on something on your iOS device, as you walk up to your Mac, you can now continue working on it on your Mac or vice versa. Say you're typing an email on your iPhone as you walk up to your Mac, you can now finish typing that email on your Mac and send it from the Mac. That is nice as you might be needing to get to the Mac to add an attachment or something like that. Next up was iMessage. Now your iPhone will work as a relay to your Mac, meaning you can get SMS texts on your Mac. Not just iMessages, but SMS text from those outside the iOS and Apple ecosystem. And you can now get and accept phone calls on your Mac from your iPhone that are coming in to your iPhone, I should say. It links your iPhone with your Mac. A call comes in on your iPhone and you are working on your Mac. Rather than have to dig around for your iPhone, you can answer the call and talk right on your Mac. So yes, your MacBook Pro can now become a $2,000 plus speakerphone. Later on, they also mentioned this works the same way with iPads. So you can answer phone calls on your iPad as well. And you can make calls from the Mac or iPad as well. So not just about answering them. They had a demo where they actually did a test call from a Mac to a new Apple employee. Yep, Dr. Dre. It was nice little tip of the hat there uh, to their Beats acquisition, but that was the only time that came up in the presentation. For making calls from your Mac, this is actually pretty cool for podcasters. If you use my Skype recording setup, the one I have at podcast411.com slash mixer.pdf, you should be able to make and easily record calls with this feature. Nice for interviews. Yosemite is available to devs today. This summer, they will also be doing a beta program for non-devs and full release in the fall. Next was iOS. Over 100 million iPod touches have been sold to date, over 200 million iPads, and over 500 million iPhones sold. For over 800 million iOS devices sold to date. More importantly, over 130 million customers are new to iOS ecosystem in the last 12 months. Many of these new customers were switchers from Android, which Tim Cook said they had purchased the Android devices by mistake, but then were seeking a better life and ecosystem. Overall satisfaction for iOS 7 stands at 97%. Tim then mentioned the Chiquita numbers that I mentioned earlier. Again, essentially the 90% using iOS versus just 9% using the latest version of Android. Which platform do you want to be developing for? That was the basic message of Tim's comments. And hey, for those that give me grief for dogging Android, Tim Cook definitely did not pull any punches talking about Android's near dominance in the malware marketplace. Then Tim made the announcement of iOS 8. Shocker! Craig Frederiki came back on stage and he talked about iOS 8. First new item is interactive notifications, which means there is no need to leave an app to reply to a message. If you get a text, you can write in the app that you're at, at the top where you see the message pop up, uh, pull down a little and reply to the text, all while keeping your main app open. It also works on the lock screen and works with many notifications, not just text messages, but also say from Facebook and again, others. Double tap 
now get you access to recent people that you contacted above the open app. So before, when you double tapped, you just see the list of open apps that you could scroll through. Now, above those apps that are open, you will see recent contacts and people that you've had contact with. Yeah, you just tap on one of them, and it'll give you their information, and then you can easily call them or text them. So this is nice, say, for your significant other or coworkers that you communicate with a lot. In Safari on the iPad, there is now an enhanced tab view. In Mail, there were a few new additions slash improvements. If you want to mark a message as unread, just swipe to the right. If you want to flag a message, pull to the left a little. And the option to flag is there along with delete. But if you want to delete it simply, just swipe all the way to the left and it'll delete out of the mail very quickly. But my favorite addition to mail and probably to iOS 8 overall is you can now swipe down on email uh, that you're, say, an email that you're creating and put it into essentially a draft mode and then go and get access to other emails to copy something out of and then go back and paste that into the draft email and finish the email. Can't count how many times I had to copy what I was working on in an email because I realized I didn't have what I needed ahead of time paste it into the note app, then close the draft, which basically is cancel out of it, search in another email for something, copy it from that email, go and create a new email, paste what I had copied into the new email, then go back to the note app, copy what I had previously typed in and pasted, and then paste that over to the second version of the email. Wow, what a real pain in the backside. Nice to see a real draft mode with the ability to search and go through other emails and not have to retype what you had previously typed. Next is the keyboard and what they are calling quick type. No reaction from the audience at all on that announcement. It was like crickets chirping. Quick type offers predictive suggestions. So as you type, it will put a few different words right above the top of the keyboard that you can then tap on to use. It is also going to give predictive answers. The example they use was you get a text that says, do you want to go for dinner or a movie? It offers up three choices to tap on. Dinner, a movie, and not sure. This is going to bring a whole new level of funny or just wrong predictive answers. Can't wait to see some of the funny suggestions to text message questions in the future. Oh yeah, I guess it will save you some time too. And that was the whole point of it, which I'm guessing will then be wasted by all the time that we're going to be spending on a Tumblr blog looking at all those funny suggestions. Per the predictive suggestions, they are supposed to be based on you and who you are talking with. It is supposed to learn about you and adapt to offer better and better suggestions. But all the learning is done on the device, not in the cloud or at the NSA. Apple made the point of stating clearly privacy of your info is important and protected and none of the keystrokes or info is leaving the device. Continuity was mentioned again. It is not just about iOS device to Mac, but also iOS device to iOS device. You can pick up on your iPad where you left off on your iPad on your iPhone and vice versa. Messages. Apple mentioned it is the most frequently used app on iOS, and they added some new features in iOS 8. For group messaging, you can name a thread. 
You can add and remove people from the thread. You can pick which thread on a per thread level or basis, uh, which one you want to silence with do not disturb or when to leave said thread. So if you are on a thread and a flame war breaks out between two people that you care nothing about over, over a subject you care nothing about, you silence it and are not constantly bombarded with notifications of that thread. Nice. There are also some location sharing features and a tap to talk feature added as well. More on those in future episodes. iCloud Drive lets you open and edit documents on a device with the changes saved back to the original document. Uh, be very, very careful when editing and how and when you save. That's all I have to say on that one. Per the enterprise side of things, Apple mentioned that 98% of the Fortune 500 now use iOS devices, and they're adding new features to make it even easier to activate devices for IT departments and adding a bunch of other new features. Again, on, if you're an IT person, they are really trying to woo you over if they haven't already wooed you over and let you know that it's okay for your employees to use iOS devices at work. They mentioned Health, which was the health book app that previously had been rumored about. It uh, uses third-party apps uh, or allows you to use third-party apps and get the data to and from and manage all your health activities. Family Sharing, which allows you to share photos and calendars and purchases of families' media. So if some one person in the family buys something on their Apple ID, up to six different family members can share that same information or purchase as long as they're using the same credit card. So you can have different people with different Apple IDs in the family as long as the same credit card is used between them. Up to six members of the family can then share those purchases. With photos, now every photo is available via iCloud to all devices if you want to. Initially, they did not talk about pricing. Then later on, they tried to do a little bologna sandwich with it. The first 5 gig is free. Then there is a per month fee for more storage. It's uh, $0.99 cents a month for 20 gig. And then if you want to go to 200 gig, it's $3.99 per month. And they have tiers all the way up to 1 terabyte per month. More on this also in the future. But since this is for photos and videos, for me alone, I would be looking at at least, at least 200 gigabytes. And it's definitely a little more than that. They've added some new editing features in the Photos app that makes it easier to manage lighting and exposures and colors. Now, they had many other features they did not go over, which included some of the following, again, which were not talked about but basically flashed up on the screen. There's time limits and countdown timers for guided access, and there's Touch ID to exit from guided access. If I'm right, these two mean you can set up your kids on, say, the iPad when it has Touch ID, uh, say in Netflix, set their time limit, and when up, you can go and get control back easily with your fingerprint. Shazam is now available through Siri, so you can ask Siri what song's playing, and you'll use Shazam to check and listen to the song in the background. FaceTime call waiting has been added, speak screen, improved zoom for accessibility, Alex voice for accessibility, braille keyboard for direct six dot braille input, multi-device support for MFI hearing aids, 
and in case of emergency card. So those grouping there are some nice new accessibility and uh, features for the iOS 8. There is now camera timer, battery usage by app, panoramic photos on iPad, auto night mode in iBooks, purchase iTunes content with Siri, private browsing per tab in Safari, iBooks built into iOS, and FaceTime call waiting, which is some of the ones that I noticed up there that were flashed up, and there are more. Again, we'll be getting to all these features in future episodes as the iOS 8 betas roll out. They finished up iOS 8 rollout at 1.22 p.m. and went back to Tim, which means iOS 8 got about two minutes more time than OS 10.10. Tim mentioned there were 1.2 million apps available for iOS and that 300 million people visit the App Store each week. The App Store would be adding trending searches, so you can see what people are searching for. Yeah, search optimizers are not going to abuse that info at all. Nope, not at all. Apple will be introducing app bundles and app preview videos into the App Store. The app preview videos will open a whole new business for those that create said videos. Well, it was a niche business already for a couple, but now it will boom. And Apple will be introducing test flight for beta testing of the devs apps. Apple announced there are over 4,000 new developer APIs for iOS 8. To start with was extensibility, which Apple said Quote, with extensibility, applications from the App Store will be able to extend the system and offer services to other apps, unquote, which got a big round of applause. Essentially, what Apple is doing is extending the sandbox of apps and an extension, an app talking through iOS services. So they're not talking directly. It's through the Apple. So Apple's going to keep security in place so that you don't have hijacking of apps. Third-party apps can define widgets for notifications. One key extension is being able to do third-party keyboards. So Swipe Keyboard can be an extension for apps. Think of this as tweaks to apps, including Apple's own core apps. Touch ID API was announced, which means developers will be able to add Touch ID as a way to unlock or open an app. It does not give fingerprint data to the app, but rather the API allows for the verification of identity to unlock a keychain item. Essentially, you could have an app with protected notes on an iOS device and with Touch ID, and you could lock the notes with your fingerprint if it is one of the registered fingerprints on the device, and then only that fingerprint could unlock it. So if you have multiple people sharing an iOS device, you could have security for your notes or photos, which could mean you could have pictures on your iOS device that you don't want your kids to see of you and your significant other. You know the type. The ones taken at night where you are both dressed in, well, say your 80s outfits. Yeah, think of the mental carnage on your kids seeing you in parachute pants. Well, this is a type of app that could save your kids from that type of carnage and therapy for years to come. And they could not guess your passcode or, or try to figure it out. Only your fingerprint could unlock it. So that's one possibility of an app that could be done with this API. They talked about the camera API and the photos app API. Uh, one of the neat ones was read and write to the photo library is now available. 
There's the HomeKit API. This is the oft-rumored Internet of Things where your iOS devices could be securely paired with different devices around your house. You can add in Siri integration where you can say, Good night, Siri. And it checks to see all your doors are closed. And if they're not, say it'll close down your garage door if it's open and it locks any of the doors that have those automatic deadbolts. And it turns off certain lights and maybe turns on some others and even turns down your thermostat and turns off the coffee maker or whatever other smart devices you have set up. One of the big announcements is that Apple introduced a new programming language, Swift, which they basically explained as Objective-C without the C. Apple was very high on Swift, showing how it will supposedly be easier and quicker to develop with. And there is an iBook language guide now for Swift. I would love to hear back from the devs on your thoughts about Swift. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. It's 206-Moondog. Is this something that will make it easier to develop for iOS devices? What about porting of your apps? Does this make it harder to do that? It will be interesting to see how this plays out. The reaction of the crowd of the devs to Swift seemed pretty positive. I'm sure we will mention more about this in the future. The iOS 8 beta is available today for devs. It's available in the fall to all. And all means anybody that owns an iPhone 4S or later, an iPod Touch 5th Gen or later, an iPad 2 and later. So that's the iPad 2, the iPad 3rd Gen, the, uh, that's the one with the Retina, uh, the iPad Air, the iPad 4th Gen, the iPad 5th, you know, all, any iPads after the iPad 2 of the larger size and any of the iPad minis. I believe that means the iPhone 4 is the only device running iOS 7 that will be stuck at iOS 7, which sucks as my iPhone 4 was going to be my beta device for iOS 8. Now I guess it'll be my iPad 3rd Gen. I don't dare change my wife's iPad over to it yet, but she was actually very happy to hear about the draft mode for emails. So maybe I get her iPad upgraded around the 4th or 5th beta. I will probably be upgrading my iPhone 5S around the 3rd beta, depending on reports for the first two. If all is going well on the 2nd, maybe for the 2nd one. Definitely not for the 1st beta. Per what was announced, well, no new Apple hardware. Nothing. No iWatch. No new Apple TV, no new Macs. Today's event was 100% about software and developer APIs. I'll be going over the keynote again in the full uh, sometime in the next week once it's available for download and more thoughts on future episodes about that keynote and some of the new features coming out for iOS 8. And of course, we will be covering that from now until iOS 8 goes live in the fall. For those attending WWDC this year, Apple really went all out and is giving WWDC attendees a whopping $25 App Store gift card, as well as WWDC 14 jackets. The jackets have the number 14 uh, printed on the back and WWDC 14 printed on the front. The jackets are made in the USA, so it is not like they completely cheaped out here. But $25 gift card? Really? Okay, it is the 25th WWDC, but why not $250 gift card then? After all, people spent $1,600 for the tickets to this event. For those that go to the Google Dev event, they get all kinds of cool electronic goodies for free. Hey, but I am sure that jacket is really, really nice. Just saying. Just saying. 
The Brady Kids. They're responsible, conscientious, and polite. And why? Because they know if they're not, Alice will kill them. Forget to mow the lawn. Alice will kill you. Don't do your homework. Alice will kill you. Don't finish your vegetables. Alice will kill you. So tune in for the Brady Bunch, because those who don't... I'm going to kill them. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Per iOS 8 beta, I was wondering what your thoughts are on websites like regmyudid.com. I used that one last year to gain access to iOS 7 before its official release and didn't have any major issues that inhibited my usual iPhone use. And I found it interesting to see how the iOS was refined through each release. Are there risks using these sites? And what are your thoughts? Regards, Ben from sunny Australia. Hi, Ben. What I have said in the past is the first beta is usually really, really flaky and really only for those that are devs and not for anyone that needs their iOS device for business ever. Stay away from the first couple of betas. Per using the service you mentioned, it's good to hear you had a good success with that one last year. Others use different services with hit or miss success. My general feeling is the betas are for devs and for those that do not mind when things go wrong, sometimes horribly wrong. If you do not like issues with your iOS device, if you do not like it to crash, and you need your iOS device for work all the time, stay away from the betas. Just listen to this show for the latest info on what is new in the betas, and come fall, you'll get it. But if you don't mind crashes, you don't mind experimenting, your device isn't going to weigh whether or not you have a job, then sure, go ahead and sign up for one of those services. Regmyudid.com is the one that Ben mentioned work for him. But I'm going to say this right now. If you do sign up for one of these services and get the betas for your iOS device and it crashes and burns on you, buyer beware. Thanks again to lynda.com for their support of TII. And if you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TII, you will get a free seven-day trial. Thanks, Linda, for sponsoring this show and for the free offer. Also, happy sixth birthday to Porter. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app review or product review, good or bad. As long as it's iOS related, it is welcomed. I'm always looking for new artwork to feature that you've created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we're always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. This is your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for TII.
You're like a member of our family. We all love you very much. I love all of you, too. I promised I'd leave right away. Well, Alice, what am I going to tell the children? They'll be heartbroken. Couldn't you just stay till they come home from school and say goodbye? Where's Alice? Gone. And you are... Marcia, what do you mean, gone? Left, packed up, went. And you are... Greg, where? Back home? For good? 